Hey guys, Tim Shorts from Gothridge Manor doing a drive home podcast. Today I thought I'd talk about uh, running, the, the benefits of running short adventures, specifically kind of targeted towards my micro adventures that I do for my Patreon. But um, like I've always said, like my Patreon adventures, 99% of them are uh, PDFs for free to download. So if you ever want to check those out, please do. Uh, got about 100 of them over there now, I think, we're darn close to it. Uh, so short adventures themselves, what's nice about them, one, is the prep time is a lot less. Uh, you know, when you get, think about, uh, I'll use like the adventure paths of uh, um, Pazio and basically the campaign books that um, Wizards of the Coast have been putting out. A lot of content to absorb and read. Uh so the prep time on those can be a little bit daunting, uh, but you know, like anything, you can be broken up into smaller bits and everything. But I think, especially for beginning GMs, short adventures are definitely the way to go, not to start off with a bigger ones. I think part of what made um, the Caves of Chaos kind of interesting is you could really modularize the uh, adventure in a lot of ways. You could have it you know, have them go in this set of caves or this set of caves, uh, and then, and just kind of do the, the, uh, research for, for that, do the, do the prep for it. So like for, for beginning people, definitely, cause you have a lot less to consume. And then the rules that you're going to be using are going to be, um, fewer and far between than you would with a, with a bigger one. Uh, the other thing about, a short adventure it's definitely more focused you don't have to worry about like too many winding passageways or different storylines going through it that doesn't mean these the the adventure itself has to be simple or um, not complex because there's some really interesting short adventures and micro adventures that I've written where while the adventure might only be a few encounter areas, it can be quite complex. Uh, it's when you introduce these situations and all the different things that can influence it, definitely adds a complexity to maybe a simple encounter itself. Uh, you know, and that's something that I, I really enjoy developing. With longer adventures, you know, you can definitely do that, but. It can, it, when you when you have say you have a hundred room and you know dungeon which is quite a few, but you might have this really cool I don't know um, sub story going on with it, and sometimes that can get lost uh, through the number of sessions that you go through and in all the different rooms. Maybe the story that you picked up in the third room you encountered. Now you're in the fiftieth room, and you know it just kind of gets lost. So you know, so you know, not always, but it's definitely more of a chance of doing that with uh, larger adventures. The other thing is too, um, it has a way of uh, trying to find the words, guys. Uh, you can complete it. Of course, a lot faster since it's shorter, so you don't have that lull between a week or two weeks or a whole month or something like that that some guys do, depending on if uh, people aren't there, 
if missing sessions, you know, your typical stuff that you're always dealing with when you're dealing with an adventure group. You have those folks that sometimes don't have a good attention span or may have been doing something at that time. But if you have a short adventure, it's definitely easier to keep a coherent story through that because your attention span for that doesn't have to be as long and you don't have to remember it from week to week. Hopefully you can have some sort of at least maybe not the final conclusion, but like some some uh, minor conclusions that uh, come to bear fruit before you guys end the session. Because if you think about if you think about going on a short adventure, when I when I think of a short adventure, it shouldn't last more than a session. And when I think of sessions, my sessions are usually like anywhere from three hours. That's my main one, up to four, but mainly three. So I write them kind of with that. Now I do a lot of heavy role playing in my games. Uh, I think that works out for my type of uh, gaming style and my party. But uh, with the with the micro adventures, you have that time to do that and complete the adventure. Unless the, your PCs go shopping and then they can blow the whole freaking session on shopping. You know what I'm talking about. Um, the other thing that's nice about um, micro-adventures is you can really focus on a monster, creature, NPC, and really bring it out, really kind of bring it to life. Maybe br create something that wasn't, that's unexpected. Because, uh, you know, you, you can run into goblins for a year and they're always the generic goblins and that but I in my, and I would I would counter that a lot of the adventures I have that features goblins they're gonna they react completely different from adventure to adventure because they have their own personality they have their own different tribes they have their own different cultures uh, and I like doing that so that way the PCs where they could have an automatic reaction where you know I'm just gonna go murder a hobo on these goblins but if there's a chance that these goblins might be an ally, a source of information, uh, maybe even a trading partner. You know, why, you know, I, I give them that opportunity or that culture based on that because I don't run, I'm, but I also don't run alignments, but that's a whole different conversation with that. But uh, so with the short event, you can focus on, on the creatures a little bit better for, you know, um, NPCs, a bandit group, the culture. I had one not too long ago called the, was the Iron Crawlers. And uh, it was basically about this low-grade band, bunch of bandits. They weren't really killers, except for the one guy who led them. Uh, they were just down-and-out guys struggling to make a living, and the best way they could do it is, is do that. Now, most bandits are, you know, you think of them being killers and all this stuff. Or, you know, kind of this generic dirty bunch of guys with you was just gonna come and slit your throat. Well these guys no, they're you know, they're not they're more interested in surviving. They they're not really this taste for killing. And I and I and I think in the micro adventures you can touch on that a little bit better than on longer adventures. I'm sure you can. I mean I'm not saying like none of this is, you know, written in stone that all this stuff I'm saying can be done in longer adventures. But I think it's, in my case, it's a bit more effective in the shorter adventures. 
another thing you can do is, is you can highlight not only the monsters and the NPCs, but certain um, nuances and cultures. The, the one adventure or location I'm going to be writing about, I spoke, of, yeah, spoke about it yesterday, I think it's called uh, Rataway Walk, and it has its own little subculture, these dock workers, and it has some wear lycanthropy elements into it. But one of the things that they, they really value and they consider like a token of respect is actually wood because they're constantly fixing the the docks and repairing the docks and wood's always a, um, a precious commodity to them and, and they cobble together pieces of wood to maintain the structure and integrity of, the, of their uh, um, structure. Um, so if you go to these guys, and I'm, I'm for the life of me, I can't remember the name of the, the group that I call them. They kind of have their, they're separated from the normal folks and kind of stick to themselves. But if you come to them with an offering of, you know, some wood and not the dirty joke wood guys, I know all of you out, some of you guys out there are getting that pure aisle little 13 year old snicker going on. Um, if you offer them wood there, I gave that one for you free. Um, they'll see that as a sign of respect and they may give you five minutes of their time or, or whatever. And in the, so with that small, I can, I can do that with it where, where like if I'm running a giant thing, like the Raven, that was it uh, curse of Strahd where they have a lot of cool cultural elements to it and you can really delve into it. There's a little bit, there's a lot to it. And so it's a little bit more difficult to, I think, go in depth to them. And, and, and that's just my GMing style and somebody else could really do a bang up job on that kind of thing. Um, but for my taste, I like doing small and then build my world out slowly from these adventures. Um, they always talk about like the three hex campaign and, and let them explore, give them a base and then have some hexes. I kind of do that with my campaign with micro adventures too. So that way they can encounter this small little piece of the world and experience it and really get a feel for what it's about. So when you go to this um, village, it's not just about the tavern or the inn and maybe a, a shop or you know the, the city guard or the village guards or the crops you have different things of way they do stuff and the, you know hopefully if you do it right the the players really can kind of connect to it and feel like they've been in a lived-in world and feel like they can make a a difference in it or change it or or just become part of it and re really have them get in, involved with your world which I think is is the ultimate goal of most GMs. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't. And one of the last things I'll probably touch on for the micro-adventures is just the, the simplicity of the... Like, I was talking about the prep, but the, the attention span. Like, um, back in the day when I used to work with kids, sometimes I would write... The, and this was before I even did my micro-adventures, before... I really thought of it as a concept was I would develop like a three, four room kind of mini dungeon 
uh, or just encounter. It doesn't have to be a dungeon. It could have been like a, uh, a warehouse in the middle of the, in the city or whatever. But I'd have the kids, and these are kids that are, were, you know, the generic term at-risk kids. Uh, had Some of them had different problems with, you know, attention deficit or just various things going on. But I could use this stuff to kind of help them kind of focus because they did enjoy the game aspect of it. I mean, one of the toughest things was to break them from the um, Yu-Gi-Oh! Pokemon kind of headspace because that's where a lot of them came from. Not many of them, but when I was when I was running them through it, ever experienced a real role-playing game. They're all into the card games because that's what I mean. Those things were just exploding with Magic Gathering, Yu-Gi-Oh, Pokemon, and and whatnot. But I, once I could break them of that that thought process of the card game and get them into role-playing because they're always afraid to do something wrong. I mean, that was their biggest thing, so they ended up doing nothing. But if I could do these small adventures like that, one, they could focus on the adventure, which was great. The other thing was is they it was small enough so if they did make a mistake, they could retreat fairly quickly without too much of a um, expense. Uh, but then they were willing to take more risks because they got more comfortable with the game. They got they got to learn the game with these small adventures and and they really and then they had that sense of accomplishment on top of it too. So you know they cleared out this you know the warehouse of you know giant rats and one oogly boogly that was upstairs. And I actually did the oogly boogly one time. Had a real young kid and and. Uh, um, that was the term he brought up. So, yeah, the monster became an oogly-boogly, and I love that name. So, um, and he was able to, he didn't kill the oogly-boogly. What he did is he, his character decided to teach the oogly-boogly how to be a good oogly-boogly. And so that I thought that was a fantastic way to, to conclude the adventure, and he was very happy with it. And the funny thing, guys, is I saw this kid. He's not, not a kid. He's, what is he, probably, I think he's, he's either late 20s or real early 30s and he's now still role playing so i hooked him guys at least i got one of them in there and everything yeah he says he's still playing every week and he still i gave him some books back in the day and he said he still has them so it's very cool but that's it for the day guys i thought i would just kind of touch on my micro adventures uh and just just short adventures in in general but if anybody's interested truly i mean i have my my micro adventures are on my um patreon 99% of them are free. You can grab the PDF or the NPC, you know, the NPC cards, the adventures, and the locations. Um, they usually include a cool map, some write-ups, and all the typos are free. I don't charge for those at all. So you can grab grab those and you know take a look, see what I'm talking about, and maybe try to use them in your game. If you do happen to use me in your game or you like them, let me know. Give me a call. Let me know or just write a comment um, on my Patreon. Anybody can do that. So. All right, guys, I'm checking out. Got to get some dinner. I'm hungry. It's been a long day. But, hey, thanks for listening. Uh, take care of yourselves and roll better than me.